Okay, welcome to this episode of Barrels and Business, where we aim to bring you an hour or so of entertainment. Francesca said, what would be a great show for me today? I said, if we can give tangible tips and advice to all of the listeners on how they can market and grow their business, but more importantly, have a bit of fun because no one likes a fucking boring podcast, right? <laughs> I'm swearing too, whoa. Oh yeah, there's a bit of swearing in mine. I, I probably should have framed you up. I'll be good on yours, I promise. No, uh, no. I'm happy for you to swear. <laughs> I, in my um, personal life, I swear, I love swearing, especially in my uh, Swiss language. It, I really enjoy swearing. I, I try not to swear too much in front of kids or not at all. Or <laughs> So if you've got kids, don't make them listen and yeah in business i try not to swear too much oh, you might you might yeah. yeah you might you know make me want to swear if you're swearing a lot <laughs> it's gonna happen i'm gonna warn you so <laughs> let me let me do a quick introduction so you guys know who is this amazing woman so francesca is a surfer an adventurer a swazi and a marketing maven not only is she a maverick entrepreneur, a leading marketing and brand strategist, a mad adventurer, but she's also an author who had the uh, forward of her last book by, written by no other than Sir Richard Branson. Uh, she's going to tell us about how she got that happening a little bit later. She's not only all of those amazing things, she's the co-founder of not one, not two, not three, not four, maybe five businesses. So she's got basic bananas. We're going to learn about that today because it's what's going to really give you guys some cool tips on how to market your business. She's also got the Business Hood, which is a brand consulting company. She does marketing and mm, logos and websites and all those sorts of beautiful things. Ocean Lovers. I can't wait to talk about Ocean Lovers. I watched the little preview video on it today and I was like, oh, I've got to get me a suit. I love what you're doing with that. And also Moments of Humanity. Now, in 2013, Francesca was awarded Young Entrepreneur of the Year, recognizing her innovation, creativity, and philanthropic involvement. I never say that. Philanthropic? My tongue the tide. Do you know what? <laughs> I think it is philanthropic, but hey, the blind leading the blind. So the, the let's blind. go with philanthropic. <laughs> I usually say the blonde leading the blonde. I've got a bunch of blonde sisters and, you know, holding maps upside down, words up the wrong way. If it sounds like it, run with it. <laughs> uh, now, I'm not going to go through her full bio. I've pasted it onto the Facebook. It'll be in the show notes as well because it is just absolutely phenomenal what this woman has done. But a few of the things we're going to talk about today is, like I said, that book, The Courage Map, that she got the forward written by Richard Branson. Uh, that time that she rode a motorcycle from Switzerland all the way through to Kazakhstan along the Silk Road. That's yep. a little bit impressive. <laughs> Some of her surfing adventures and, like I said, her tangible tips on how to market. But what I absolutely love is before we got on, she says, uh, it's 4.30 here and we're having a party in my office. Can I have wine? And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. So cheers to you, love. Hey, cheers. And, you know, it felt really real because I said, hey, let's, you know, let's have a little sunset drink. And, and yeah, like, yeah, what are you having? And it almost felt like, okay, I'm ordering something. You're going to go get me a drink. <laughs> then I have to go get my own drink, which it's okay. Um, uh, next time I'll send a virtual assistant round. 
<laughs> Jimmy Brings, he'll just pop oh, by with some yeah, wine. Jimmy Brings is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, cheers to everyone listening in too. We love having you here. And to you, Jade, for setting this up and bribing me into spending some time here. I'm really excited about this. And I yeah. am at the office today. This is one of the first days that we have almost the whole team here. Also, we're doing a movie night tonight. So everyone what movie are you watching? They picked two. I said, I don't know what they are, but they picked two to choose from. And I just said, nothing scary, please, because I can't sleep. <laughs> uh, is that a Luke Studer board behind you? It's Simon Anderson. Oh, it's a Simon Anderson. Yeah, yeah Simon oh, Anderson. Wow. Very loyal to Simon Anderson. He's amazing. Well, amazing I tell you favorite. what, the, the S, the... The S's are very, very similar. I've got a Studer on the other side. Oh, really? Of here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, similar the logo. Are, yeah. Maybe we need to yeah. talk branding to these guys a little bit. Maybe, maybe he's funnel hacking. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Simon, actually, Simon Anderson, who runs this, who's an amazing shaper and also quite renowned in the surfing industry, mm -hmm. came up with the three fin system. Yes, he did. Board. Yeah. And his wife is actually in our program in the club. <gasps> Yeah, so she's a member. Really? Yeah, she's a member here and she's amazing. And so she is doing all the marketing for this brand for Simon and she's beautiful. They're both amazing. They're a great couple. Ah. She's really good. She's well, really I'm going to be cheeky and say, put in a good word for me. I'd love to have Simon on the show. Bring them both on. Let's talk, let's yeah. talk all things surfing and business. Yeah, I can see what I can do. Sharon would probably make herself available. Simon, yeah. maybe. He's a little bit introverted. He's a little introvert. Yeah. see if we she can might, drag him out but i can maybe i can maybe hook you up with with sharon and then see what you know she she's very interesting she'll she'd do a great job amazing thank you so tell us then how come you're so loyal to to simon what what's in your quiver what got you i love his boards well he is a local i live in narabin here not that i'm a local clearly with my accent but <laughs> you're a local now <laughs> I'm, a, okay, I'm a local north narabin resident now and i've been here for 14 years but simon who is the shaper, he, he lives in this area in New, Newport and he surfs a lot in Narrabin and he's just a really nice man. And most of my surfboards are Simon Anderson surfboards. I just love them. It's not that I know too much of a difference. You could give me any surfboard and I would love it. Anything that floats and usually I like, I like the skinny sort of shapes, mm -hmm. skinny and thin. So, so anything that is skinny and thin, I'll, um, I'll be excited. That's no, amazing. No pun intended. No, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, I've only just moved on to a skinny and thin. I used to go for a long and wide. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> the longer and the wider, the better. <laughs> is that... <laughs> this is going really well, this show, by the way. More beer. <laughs> I've only had one sip of wine and look at us already go. <laughs> Uh, my actually my first not my first board my first custom board was a Dennis Anderson so it was a Dennis Anderson tradition and uh I because I rode a longboard as a kid and yeah my dad had hopes that I was going to to go on and tour and the girls I used to surf and beat uh went on to surf for Roxy a little bit and I mm -hmm. went off and decided to run businesses instead broke dad's heart well so, the thing is you know I I thought about this career path a lot growing up because I, I thought a little bit when I was younger, I thought, you know, I might become a musician because I love music. I, I love playing music. I love writing. Not that I'm super good at it, but I just love music. And I thought maybe I'll, I'll become a musician. But then, and then I chose business too. 
a long time ago, maybe 11, 12 years ago, I started my first business. And I realized that, uh, you know, sometimes you keep some things like for me, like surfing and music and, and adventuring. That's, these are my passions that I need money for. <laughs> to yes. do. And business obviously helps you to enable that lifestyle. Whereas if I had chosen the music path, I probably would never have access to the funding that I like to do adventures and to have impact and to change, you know, a little bit of the world. So, you know, I think it's either way, it's whatever path people choose, there's no right or wrong, but this definitely for me was the right path. And I'm sure for you, it's similar. Yeah. I, they say, what would you like, what would you do if you had all the money in the world and you didn't have to work? And I'm like, coach people for free. <laughs> yeah, you love it. It's you like, love I, I love it. Like during, at the beginning of COVID, I saw so many of my clients and my friends and ex-alumni from um, different business courses that I've been through, they were really struggling. Like they were doing it a lot tougher than me. Their cash flow, they, they relied on um, making sure that the dollars were coming in every day. And so I just went straight into doing pro bono. Uh, I did five calls, okay. a, like I did a call every single day, a group coaching call every single yeah. day for like six weeks for anyone that needed help, just to help them just mentally even get through the shit storm. And so nice. it's like, it just, it's the least I could do. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the least yeah. I could do to help. And, and if I can help bring people through and that's what's going to, what I thought I could do to give back to the community and to other business owners to get this through. And it's, it's lit me up because I've ended up with some amazing um, friendships and clients out of it. The, the clients yeah. became better friends. And I agree, you know, like I'm, I'm all about impact and, and I've had moments in my life, many, many, many moments. I still have them now where I sometimes I sit there and I look at challenges that we have, like, you know, when we had the bushfires here or obviously now with the pandemic or when we had the floods in, in actually in Northern Australia in Queensland years ago, I always look at these challenges. I'm like, what can I do? And sometimes I feel really overwhelmed with it because I really want to help. Mm. And, and I've realized similar to, you know, what you just shared that we just need to play by our strengths and your strengths are coaching. My strengths are in business and helping businesses, but also connecting the dots and igniting, you know, a solution and then having other people motivated to help carry out that solution. So sort of lighting the fire and then having other people join to achieve a certain a solution for example and so yeah it's it's really cool that you are playing by your strengths thank you yeah i think if um the key thing that i teach actually is to to people to stick to their genius like you've probably heard of strength finder and mm. like the whole principles of don't don't go work on like don't work on your not work on your weaknesses at all but play to your strengths don't don't waste time and energy trying to make yourself something you're not spend the energy turning up the dial on what you are and radiating from that and, you know, being the best version of you that you can be not like I, I've got a quote saying like, stop trying to be the best version of yourself because the best version of yourself is usually you're trying to compare yourself to other people and be as good as them. And you're rather than just going inside and going, okay, who am I really? And what can I do to turn yeah. the dial up on how fucking epic I am and what my special thing is? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this is the principle that I, that I talked about actually in the book, which probably we will talk about more is the whole principle on truth and, and sticking by your truth and not really paying too much attention what other people tell you you should be doing or you shouldn't be doing, but doing exactly what you feel yeah. you're called to do. 
So talk to us about the book. Tell us more about it. So how did it come about? What, what are the key takeaways and what was your driver behind getting it, getting all of those thoughts onto paper? Yeah. So it started, so the book came out this year in May, 2020, and it took me almost two years from start to finish. So I started writing it in June, 2018. And the journey started a little bit before then. I remember I told you, I think maybe four or five or so years ago, I did a program for Mind Valley. So Mind Valley flew me to, to Kuala Lumpur where they have their headquarters. And we recorded over a few days a program on being bold and achieving the impossible. And it was a very much a mindset thing. Really, it was really fun to work with the team. We, we had a blast for a few days, just giggling all day in, in a <laughs> studio. And just, it was super cool. The team are, are great. And then I thought, you know, one day, this is my third book. And I thought maybe one day I will write a book on courage. But my last two books were on marketing and the second one was on branding which these are my strengths This is what I work in all day long. So they were really relevant to my businesses. And then the, the last one, the third one on courage, it's not completely relevant. It's more, you know, personal. And so I didn't really want to go there too soon because I just had other things to do and I was focused on, on business. And so two years ago in June, when I started this motorbike journey from Switzerland to Kazakhstan along the Silk Road, I was traveling with one of my friends, Mike, and he just observed me. I was a little bit his like test thing, I think. He was just like, he would observe me and then he would analyze my, my actions and he would then ask me questions. And, and one of the questions he kept asking is, Francisca, do you never feel fear? And I'm like, what? He's like, do you, do you not, do you actually, like, does your brain work in a way where you don't feel fear? And I'm like, no, of course I feel fear. I feel fear all the time. He's like, well, why, you know, the way that you act and the way that you interact with people and the way that you go about life, it doesn't seem that you have a lot of fears. And I said, I just take action despite the fear. And so he said, you know what, you should write on this. I think a lot of people could learn from this. And so that's when I started writing the book and came up with the 13 principles that I outlined in the book and started drafting it on the first journey. Didn't really get that much done while riding a motorbike, but got a lot of thinking done because I had, you know, in my helmet, <laughs> eight, 10 hours a day of thinking, just me and my thoughts. So that was really useful. And sometimes it's also a bit random <laughs> to observe the brain. What's going on? Well, these thoughts are very uh, random. And yeah, that's how it started. Amazing. What are the 13 principles? Oh my God, do I need to know them by memory? Um, Not all of them. Do you have a copy there? Do you have a no, copy I'm there? I'm like, I wish I had a copy here. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't. Oh, actually, I do have a copy here in the other room. How about, should I quickly go give me your, Give me your top. Just give me your top. Okay, top, I give you my one top one. So there's, yeah. there's one There's one on kindness. There's one on non-attachment. One of my Ooh. favorite ones is flow. So flow is one of my favorite ones. There's one on stories. There's one on evolution. There's one on intuition. Again, one of my favorite ones is intuition. There's one on truth. There is one on playfulness. Also one of my favorite ones. Um, Man, this, this thing's right up my alley. So non-attachment. Um, have you yeah. read The Untethered Soul? Yes, I love that. The Untethered Soul and the other one, the Surrender Experiment. Surrender Experiment. Yeah, so when you, when you were talking about 
the voice to observe the voices in your head while you're in your helmet and the the word non-attachment um that really brings to to mind uh those two books so tell me how how does non-attachment um give someone more courage to pursue their dreams or to really up level their business yeah so i heard this principle the first time or this concept when i was at a silence retreat in santa cruz near santa cruz in northern california and i was sitting there we were in silence for seven days but we had teachers come in and talk about different concepts and one guy came in and he talked this is maybe seven years ago or so one guy came came in and talked about non-attachment and i'm like i was sort of not really paying attention until suddenly this guy came and said non-attachment and I'm like oh wow this is interesting and then I started to really practice non-attachment in my own life and I find it one of the most challenging principles but also one of the most powerful ones because what it means is that you are able to detach from a certain outcome but also you it's depending on how you apply the principles you also can learn to not be attached to stuff so to not be so attached to to what you own and and what car you drive and where well where you live on you know living on the beach I'm a little bit attached to that so I'm not mastering this principle in <laughs> every area I'm extremely attached to my beach I'm very attached to my um, beach apartment too and yeah I saw your beach apartment when it was when you had twelve foot surf out the front and oh it's been nuts yeah. here. It's been yeah. so big again this week. It's been crazy. I haven't served in a little while. And it's also not, not being attached to relationships, etc. And it's it's very helpful to to be able to not attach to things when it comes to courage, because often we feel fear and don't take action because we have an attachment to a certain outcome. For example, I don't want to start a certain business because I'm scared that I will fail. So I have an attachment to this outcome of not failing for example and so this principle to practice constantly to not be attached to an outcome is super powerful and how i usually tell people to go about it is to just of course you you have your you know where you want to end up so you have your intentions intentions is another principle in the book and you sort of have your vision you definitely have your vision and you know where where sort of where you want to end up but how you get there you detach from that because the one thing that I share about also in the previous book, actually, perception is that you can not control certain things. So you can't control the economy. You can't control mm. how people behave. You can't control, are we having a pandemic? You can't control any of this stuff. But what you can control is how you react or respond to certain situations. So this is really helpful when it comes to have, being courageous because you only control yourself. You only control how you behave and how you respond, no one else. And it's super helpful in any situation with relationships, anything. You just control how you behave. You don't worry about what other people are doing. You can't control them. You can only control how you respond to certain situations. I love this. Such a powerful, powerful principle. And it is a really hard one to, to master. Um, I love it. I've got one of my best friend and old roommate who's uh, still back living in Sydney. We always used to joke about going on dates and hashtag non-attachment. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> how can we practice this and how can we get them to practice it? 
Um, but yeah, really understanding that you, you can only control you. And once you can um, realize this, it certainly makes moving through life a little bit less anxious, right? Totally. And then you can go, because that principle sort of leads into the other principle, which is flow. And flow is one of the I'm so glad. things. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about flow? I was literally, I was just looking back at this. I'm like, flow is the next one I want to talk about. I'm a performance and flow consultant because flow state is something that means so much to me. And, and being Mind Valley, you've probably been around Stephen Kotler as well. And yeah, yeah. his study of flow and the flow mm-hmm. genome. And please mm-hmm. elaborate on what well, flow means for you. So there are different kinds of flows. So there's one where we have flow states, which are cool. And probably every human has experienced them. You, there are different ways to get into flow states. This is not really so much what I'm sharing in the book, but it's still great to quickly share on. And maybe you can share your insights here too. But one of the you know, best sports to get into flow states is surfing, for example, because you're sitting in the ocean, you have nothing to distract you. There's no technology. It's just you and a surfboard in the ocean. And when the wave comes and you're paddling for it, there's only pure presence. And you drop into these flow states when you have this pure presence. And the cool thing about it is also that fear doesn't exist in the present moment. Fear only exists when you go either forward or backward. So, for example, you can feel fear if you think about a future scenario that hasn't happened yet. That is called anxiety. Or you might feel fear because you're thinking about what's happened in the past in your life. And that might cause certain feelings of frustrations, anger, depression, anything like that. So flow is a really cool way to stay present. And also right now in, and then I'd love to hear actually your application a bit of flow too. Right now, as we're going through these uncertain times and every day is almost like a new year. <laughs> I was running a business planning session the other day and I said, uh, let's, let's look at our 2020 plans. Oh, wait. Our goals are completely different to what they were at the beginning of 2020. So flow in times like these, when we have uncertainty and we don't know what's coming at us and what's around the next corner, we, it's really important because we have to just go with what's coming and we have to surrender. You know, the books you mentioned before, the surrender experiment is great. Actually talks about that. We have to learn as humans to just surrender to situations because it will help us to not fight against the current. And this is obviously a metaphor in the ocean. When you fight against the current in the ocean, you have zero chance. Yeah, if you, you just flow win. with it, <laughs> yeah, you, have, you run out of steam very quickly. If you flow with the current and you let the current take you where it's taking you and then you swim in somewhere else, you will be okay. And it's the same in life and to tap into courage. You just sometimes have to just flow. And I talk about one more thing, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I talk in the book about the flow spectrum. And on this flow spectrum, we have people that are on one side that are people, and there's nothing right or wrong about this. It's just how we are wired or maybe how we are conditioned growing up. Mm. On one side of the spectrum, people on this side need a lot of certainty. So these are people that are planning every detail of their holiday. They got their week planned out in terms of what they're eating every day. Everything is super planned out. And then on this side of the spectrum, you have people that are just, well, yeah, we'll work it out. You know, it's six o'clock. What should we have for dinner? You sort of work it out as things come at you or you go on a holiday and you maybe book your flights, but the rest, well, right now, unfortunately, we're not booking so many flights, but 
Oh, uh, I can't even book anything. I desperately, like I was in the Mentawis for my birthday this time last year, like for, in August. And I said then I was going to do Stradbroke for my birthday this year. I can't do bloody either of them. I know. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I know. I feel a little bit, I'm starting to get a bit more itchy feet too about the whole situation, but it's cool. I'm doing a little trip actually next week on the motorbike up just up the coast in New South Wales because we can't even, we were going to come into Queensland, but... We're not coming no. anymore. I was going to go to, then I was like, okay, can't go to North Australia. We'll go to Brunswick. And Brunswick was in our bubble that we could go to. Brunswick got kicked out. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh, well. Have a local right. party. You live on a beach. You'll be fine. Yeah. I'm going to go to South Australia tomorrow morning for a surf. So that'll do. <laughs> so on this flow spectrum, then you have the people over here that they're totally cool with uncertainty. And what but generally what you will see is the more you move up into here where you're cool with uncertainty where you're happy these are also often entrepreneurial people they live up here they're they're okay with uncertainty they don't need to plan everything it's just yeah let's work it out because you have to work out things on the fly all the time when you run a business and so on this side it's it you are also able to take more risks because you don't worry too much you'll work it out Whereas over here, people are a bit more risk averse. So it's really cool to know where you are roughly. Are you super driven by certainty and you need to map everything out or and you need to know every detail or are you a little bit more over here? And it's also really good to know when you are in a partnership relationship or for family members where they are. Because I mean, <laughs> I've, you know, I've, I probably would struggle a little bit to, or maybe I would learn a lot, but if I dated someone who is super over here and super certainty driven, I think it, we would drive each other nuts a little bit, you know, going on holidays because my partner, he would have to, you know, he w would want to map everything out and I would just want to go a little bit more with the flow. So he would do a little bit of this, but I think it's good to know because then you can respect each other too. Yeah. You can go, okay, I understand you're, you know, you need certainty. So I understand you need to map out a little bit more details. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on the whole co flow concept and yeah. how do you get into your flow states? So for me, um, because I, do, I, I work a lot with entrepreneurs, a lot with um, in the Roger James Hamilton spectrum of like the, the creative dynamo genius, which is head in the sky, big picture, not, not very structured and very planned. And they have lots of ideas, but the ideas don't see their potential because they don't actually structure their days to do it because they do get squirreled and shiny thing because they have no structure. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I work a lot with creating ideal week plans and I found this really, really helped me. Um, it takes a lot of iteration, um, but firstly, understanding and unpacking what all the tasks are that you need to get done in a day or things you want to get um, done. So even like time for spirit and for surfing and for um, loved ones and your normal tasks and working towards your goals and figuring out which energy they are and then what state you need to do to get yourself into the zone to be in that energy. So for me to do bookkeeping or invoicing or anything detailed, like I need to like completely shut off. I need to not have pump up music going. I need mm. to have my, uh, my oils going. I need to have like no makeup on, don't talk to anyone that's super fun because then I just go off in my blaze personality thing and I want to go do fun shit. So <laughs> I have to like, like get myself in the zone. I need to be 
in an inspiring space where I can look up and not feel constrained. So mm-hmm. I'll sit facing this way and have all my stuff sorted out and making sure I don't have any distractions that could derail me. So I help people to figure out what the energies are. How do you craft your flow state for that particular energy and have an ideal week. So there's a bit of structure and it's ideal, right? You don't do it all the time so that you have something to work towards and you're constantly taking steps towards the goals you want, but that you also have an alternate. So if, if shit hits the fan, you can switch gears. But a lot of that plan is also about giving yourself time to be just be not do Mm -hmm. so white space spirit time downtime as well because for me i i get busy being busy and once i'm in flow doing business i forget to stop and i'll just keep going and keep going and keep going so i actually have to have the structure to block my calendar out so no one can book in like tomorrow I've got one call from 6am till 7am and then the rest of the day is locked off and, and nearly every Thursday is like that. Um, so that I can go surfing, spend time with my family. Otherwise I'll just keep on trucking. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I, and I actually really like what you said about creating almost like creating personas or, or even spaces to do certain tasks. You know, if you have to do admin or if you have to do calls or if you have to do, thinking tasks you might even sit in a different spot or have different lighting or have different music yeah and i think that is actually very useful i do that uh, you know I'm, I'm quite fortunate nowadays i have a team so i can there are a lot of tasks that i used to have to do that would drive me nuts admin drives me nuts and definitely you know any invoicing etc don't have to do anymore but when i had to do these things I would definitely need a certain space or sit at the desk and have nobody talk to me. Or to be honest, right now, I'm still sometimes doing uh, some tasks I don't enjoy so much. Like today, I told you, at one of these days, I was doing some ad campaigns and especially the strategy part, which I don't mind too much, but I also went into the back end and I started to go, what the heck, this is driving me nuts. So I had to go into a space of time here. And right now, I mean, it's, I was in a commun- communal space here where everybody's sitting and chatting, la la. And then I'm like, guys, I have to just lock myself away for an hour or two hours to just not talk yeah. to anyone. My phone is on silence. I'm not looking at it. I'm not responding to everyone because anyone, yeah. I have to be super focused. Well, I found um, when I was writing, like doing my social media and stuff, I felt like it wasn't a real business task. So I really struggled to do the engagement and everything. Mm. And I just find any excuse to be busy and not do it. So mm. I've actually found for myself, for me to write my content for social media or to do that engagement stuff, the best time for me to do it is like on a Saturday or a Sunday, um, Saturday morning sitting on my sunbed over here looking out and it, and it feels like it's like a, uh, it's an okay time to do it or Sunday afternoons with a beer at sunset. is also good because I feel like, I don't know, I like I given myself the space, but it took some noticing of, of like, Oh, I'm procrastinating and not doing that, even though I was supposed to do it. What's, what's the thought behind it? What's the resistance? And then noticing when I feel like I'm in flow and when does that work? Ah, there's a pattern there. So I'm going to tweak my ideal week to suit that. Yeah. I love that. And you know, I'm amazing at messages in the morning. 
that's really cool i love that you know obviously you're super aware of this one one more thing on this actually and this is something i heard someone else talk about too but it's definitely working and it's working for me too you know sometimes people talk about when you have to do a certain task that is more creative like writing for example or you know creating something art or music and sometimes we have this thing that is called the writer's block and someone else actually said it, but I totally, fully, wholeheartedly, I'm a believer in this too. It, I think it's a little bit of a, <laughs> well, I'm going to swear one time here and then that's it. It's a bit of bullshit. I think the whole writer's block thing, it can be a little bit of an excuse. And what I have found and, and you know, what probably prolific writers have found too is that sometimes you just need to sit down and just do it even if you don't feel like it and i've found this with this last book but more important also right now i'm writing another book for because the publisher approached me with this book that i don't really want to write so i have to force myself to write it and and i see this over the last maybe three four weeks i've sat down every single morning usually when i wake up six o'clock or so seven o'clock i sit down and i focus i make myself write for yeah. maybe two hours. I make myself, and sometimes the first half an hour, I'm drifting off, I'm looking at my emails, I go on Facebook, I go make a tea. And then eventually I'm like resisting. It's almost like a battle. You know, I'm almost like battling myself, like, oh, let's go make a tea, let's go get some breakfast. And then yeah. I'm back. eventually it's like, oh, okay, let's write. Yeah. And then I've heard that so many times from people who write books or need to write. They're like having a set time of day that they actually do yeah. it and even having the mindset of I'm just going to write 10 shitty pages and giving yourself the permission that there can be 10 shitty pages and just get the shit yeah. out yeah, and then crack on with it. But yeah, cultivating, um, there's so much power in the power of habit. And even like, if you think about elite athletes, they've got a routine that they go through to get themselves into state and into peak performance. And it's like a, a pattern and you can train your brain with the habits of, okay, if I'm sitting down to write, this is where I write this. And, yeah. and same with meditation, right? They say about having your own, your meditation mat or a certain type of music and a certain thing, because you're just training your body to, and your brain to respond quicker and to drop into that state so that you can get into it a lot and get into flow a lot easier. So I really do believe in, in that for the energies and, and understanding and, and just taking, it takes a little bit of time. Like, probably a good month of really noticing, Oh, what am I doing to procrastinate? I'm making a cup of tea. Okay. So tomorrow morning, <laughs> if I'm going to write at six, the, the tea has to be made at five fifty-five. Cause at six, I'm at my desk. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I'm not that strict on myself. So I definitely, you know, I, I allow a little bit of flow and whatever. And, but I would actually love to know from you because I, I know the habit thing is very important. And I'll mm. give you my take on it in a minute. But what, what are some of your habits that you find are working? Yeah. Maybe you have a morning routine, evening routine? Yep. So for almost as long as I can remember, 5 a.m. club. And when I don't do 5 a.m. club, it's like the wheels fall off the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I get anxious and I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. Um, it's, yeah, something that I just started doing. So for me, five o'clock, Alarm goes off, no snooze button. Feet out of the bed, stand up. At, when we're in a rhythm, I go out of my room, I knock on my roommate's door, I come to the kitchen, turn the kettle on, go back to my room, make the bed. Because and then, she gets up at 5 too? 
if I wake her up, yes. <laughs> well, but so, you know, does she want to be woken up? Or you? Just yeah, she wants. She asked me to wake her up. <laughs> um, so, and th- and then um, when we're if we have our ultimate routine and we're doing it together, we then do a Mind Valley quest together. Um, so from from five till six, we firstly we we get our cup of tea and we talk about how we integrated the learnings from the day before. Mm-hmm. Then we do the quest. Then we talk about what came up from it. Then she will run and I will skateboard down to our local um, coffee shop, grab a coffee and then skate back. Usually by then we've got some pump up tunes going on and depending on who's got to be ready first will be who's in the shower. Uh, I often will be found out the front at seven o'clock in the morning with glow balls dancing like a crazy person to Timmy trumpet or Tomorrowland (laughs) um, with a set of glow balls and everyone on the beach thinks that's hilarious um and and then we get into the structure of our day um when we're operating like that for me if it's just me on my own again i get up at five i make my bed straight away i come out chuck the kettle on and i sit here and i I usually get my plan done for the day i handle that's when i get back to all my messages Mm -hmm. um so that's like i'll get back to all my text messages my my whatsapps handle all that sort of stuff i kind of get somehow get in the zone it's like oh yeah get all that off my plate then watch the sunrise and then decide am I skating or surfing or sometimes I have a call. Um, mm. But that's, that's like my morning routine. I've added in um, cause I've been terrible at drinking water. Um, the first thing I do is when I come out to the kitchen, I fill up the, the glass of water while I'm walking around doing everything. And I find that that's, if I miss that and I don't feel like I've had my me time, I'm a bit, off kilter. Mm. And if I wake up late, I feel like I'm being owned by the day and I'm chasing my tail and, and I'm not in control. That gives me the feeling of being in control. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I don't want to burst your bubble and this research might not even be super um, deep, but I did read an article just last week. It was published by Inc. And it was talking about how REM sleep, you know, REM sleep, um, mm-hmm. what does REM stand for? REM? Uh, but it's yes it's <laughs> that yeah we want to be yeah google the thing REM sleep rem sleep is basically throughout the night we have different different phases obviously deep sleep and then a little bit lighter sleep and the rem sleep is our dream phase so yep. in the rem sleep is when we dream and process etc and what this research showed is that usually before we wake up is when we have a lot of rem sleep so the last sort of bit of sleeping is often when we dream a lot. And I've noticed this a lot yeah. in the mornings. It's usually when I, I go crazy with my dreams. Don't remember always. Yeah. But so what they said, because of that, because REM is really important to process, they said that it's better if you can not to set an alarm. Yeah. But they said I usually wake, wake up. Naturally. It's funny because I'm so used to 5am club. I normally up. wake up at like 4.58, 4.59. Like, and sometimes I wake up freaking out that I've overslept. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but the majority, Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry. What if you go to bed late? Did you just still wake up? Um, yeah, I do. Like I still wake up. I might, I might choose if I've had a really late night, I might choose to go back to bed if I feel like that's going to be better for me. Um, but generally I'm awake and this comes from bad behavior before though. I used to only sleep like two, maybe three hours a night. So even if I went to bed at 2.30 2.30 or 3, I'd still be up at 5. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, not, not that wasn't a great habit. I'm now, I'm probably, I probably average five hours now. 
Um, but I'm trying to get myself to six, six and a half, seven. Yeah, yeah, I like eight hours. But again, like I, I don't use an alarm. I feel like a truck. <laughs> if I sleep eight hours, I feel like a. I actually feel like I have the worst hangover in the world, and like I've been hit really? by a truck. <gasps> Horrible. Really? Horrible. That's so yeah. funny. I think everyone has different different amounts that they need to sleep. But there used to be. I remember there used to be a fashion where all the, all, not some entrepreneurs found it really cool to pimp about how little they sleep. And uh, it was yeah. a whole. It was a whole trend. Hey, I only sleep like one that, hour a night. And that's really yeah. unhealthy. I'm not a doctor, and you know I don't know the research behind this, but it's there was a lot of there was but a that, lot. that was me and it's and it's one of the reasons um just many one of the reasons why i left sydney and left the entrepreneur space that i was in there because we did we wore our sleep deprivation as a badge mm, of honor and totally. it was like i can outgrind you i ate gary v for breakfast it's like fucking mm. hustle i had to stop eating gary v for breakfast and i had to get out of that and i know it's bad it's just i naturally don't don't sleep that much um, but I'm trying to, I've started putting in an evening routine to help. So putting on my blue light glasses, um, making sure I now have my shower at nine 30 at night, which is my pattern interrupt. It's like, that's telling my brain, okay, we're no more work now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're winding down. Um, if I can't switch my brain off, I watch uh, a mindless TV show. Um, what, what are you watching at the moment? Um, <laughs> queen of the South. That bitch entrepreneurial. <laughs> it's good. I don't know anything about it. Is it mindless? Um, well, it's not, It's like just a Netflix drama, but it's about <laughs> it's about a um, a young Mexican girl that was like a money changer that became a drug mule who became the cartel boss. Okay. So I really love the character of her. Like she's just like she's entrepreneurial. She's really smart. She reads people, and she's like looks for the opportunity. Um, when we talk about the voice in your head and noticing it, there's like she comes on and like her her future self is in talking to her current self and um, giving her the advice of like where she's got to man up. And um, so if I want to make my, like if I find it hard to switch off from work, I'll do that. Um, But I was listening. If when in doubt, if I ever need to really shut down, I just listen to Neil Donald Walsh. So if I listen to one of the conversations with God Mm. books or do the um, awaken the species quest on Mind Valley, I'm out. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, okay. What else? No, tell us how, why Richard wrote your forward. Well, why he did it is because I'm freaking awesome. How? <laughs> Duh. How he did it? No. So, so how this came about is that when I started the first words of this book. I wrote on the first page the title, which was a placeholder. Second page, I wrote forward by. And I was thinking, okay, who would be the one person, really the only person for me that I would love this forward written by? A book on courage, who is entrepreneurial, who I have, has really influenced my life in terms of, you know, how, how he has run his businesses and, and it was Sir Richard Branson. And so I just wrote it. I just wrote forward by Sir Richard Branson. And when I finished the manuscript, gave it to my, my editor. And she said, oh, is Branson writing your forward? I said, yeah, but he doesn't know yet. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, um, look, if, if it doesn't 
work out. I've got a few other people in mind. <laughs> like, he doesn't think that I'll get his forward. And I, you know, look, I didn't really completely know how I would do it. And then, of course, how the universe works and conspires for your success. A year ago, a bit over a year ago, one of my dear friends, Lisa, she said, hey, there's this Lisa Messenger. No, Lisa Andrews said, hey, there's this tech challenge on Necker Island. And the guy who was running it, also an amazing human built tie, he is running it. And so spoke to him and her and said, hey, you know, what, what's the deal? And he said, you should come to this tech challenge. Lisa said you should come. So myself, one of my best friends, Gina and Lisa, the three girls, and then a bunch of other people I didn't know, we all ended up going to Necker Island in April last year. And when I was looking at the whole thing first, I looked at, you know, how to get there from Sydney. And I've been on so many trips lately, not lately, but back then. (laughs) (laughs) And it takes like 35 hours, four planes from Sydney. And I was like, ah, I kind of don't want to be on another plane. Right now I've done so many trips. I need to just relax for a minute (laughs) in Sydney at my place. And then I thought, you know what, this is my only chance to ever get it forward is if I can ask him in person. There's no other way I can get it forward. I have a few people who know him, but that's not going to work. And so I went, I went to Necker Island and we spent a whole week there. He hung out we, and I didn't want to just, you know, ask him straight up because it's a bit lame to go there and ask for favors. So I was just, you know, there having, we had conversations, we did a few panel discussions. I was on a panel with some other people talking marketing and branding. And then on the last, and I spoke to Branson a little bit about the trip I did and he asked me about it. And he, you know, he asked me about what, the, what does your you know, partner say about you riding a motorbike through these countries? I'm like, well, doesn't really have much, you know, I, I, I'll go anyway. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have much of a choice. Uh, the, yeah, he doesn't really have a choice other than choosing not to date me. And so, and the last day he was sitting there reading a paper and on his own. So I sat next to him. My heart was pounding because I knew I have to ask him now or it's never going to happen. Sat down next to him, talked a little bit about his charity work that he does, especially with ocean conservation, because I'm really passionate about that. And then I just asked him, I said, hey, Richard, I, I wrote a book and it's called The Courage Map. And I thought, you know, you would be the only one person I would love forward for this book for. Would you be interested? And he looked at me and he said, and I said, look, I, I know you probably get hundreds of thousands of requests like these. So, you know, totally understand if you can't do it. And we said, look, Francisca, I really like what you do. And yes, I do get a lot of requests and I only write one forward per year. And so he said, just send it to me and I'll have a look. And I thought that was his way of saying, yeah, but no. And so I sent it to him. And then about a month later, he got back to me and he said, I'll write the forward. And then, and to be honest, my friend Bill, he put in a good word for me too. So that really helped. So Bill has huge credit to him because I reckon he is the one that got it over the line a little bit. Yeah. And he's just a kind man. And so then a month later, he sent me a message saying, hey, it's my pleasure to write this. And then another month passed and he sent it. He sent me the forward. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. There's, There's so many messages in that story. So for me, the setting the intention like you put it to the universe. Um, I believe in manifestation, um, but I, and I was on a rant about this yesterday. I believe in manifestation and the law of attraction, but I believe in the law of action. And so 
you, you manifested that, but you also put yourself in the situation to put yourself forward to do it. Yeah. Like it wasn't just going to, he wasn't just going to be, Oh, look, all of a sudden I just heard about this book and I want to write the forward. Or if you, if you send it to him in an email and had no idea who you were, it's not going to happen. It wouldn't have happened. But I, I really do believe the power of intention and manifestation and you need to, you need to believe it for it to come true. Like, otherwise it's, it's just a, you just get more wanting, right? And that's probably a bit of Abraham Hicks stuff there. If you just, if you don't believe it and you just want it, you'll just get more wanting. So you've got to be willing to put the action into place and step forward and, and have the belief in yourself. And yeah, that's totally, that's exactly how I ended up being a Mind Valley trainer. I read Vision's book and turned to Andrew and said, my roommate at the time and said, I'm going to fly to Kuala Lumpur and convince Vision to license me as the trainer in Australia and bring the Mind Valley principles to Australia. He just looked at me and went, good luck with that. And then next minute yeah. it was, but I, I flew myself to Barcelona. I sat in his seminar. I did all of the steps. I made sure I was noticed. I made sure I was seen. I made sure I had dinner with him. <laughs> like None of this shit's getting left to chance. <laughs> yeah. And we, so this is where we talk about last time. We actually missed each other in Barcelona. Remember because yes. I was doing a talk for them on, on brand strategy. I and know. You were there. Yeah, I missed so you. I, I arrived only, late. Yeah. Um, and was, yeah. And I was only there for my talk because I had my mother with me. And so while I was doing the talk, I walked to this session where I was, where the university was hosted with my mom. I did the talk and I let her go to do some walk around a park. And so after the talk, I pretty much ran off. I said, I have to go find my mom. I put her into some park here in Barcelona. I need to make sure she's, <laughs> She's still there and she's, uh, you know, she's doing okay. And I found yeah. that. It's so funny because it seems like you and I have just been orbiting each other in all of these so circles. Um, it's, uh, but it, it's funny though, right? That like minds and, and putting yourself in the circles. And I also, this brings me to the, the thought of you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you associate with the people, you bring these people into your field that you're, that you're looking to connect with. Like I, it took me mentioning one thing about wanting to interview more successful female entrepreneurs that surf. And next minute I'm being put in contact with you. Sammy's like, Oh my God, I've got the girl. It's so funny. Yeah. It, it is about, you know, it is setting intention and then going after it. And then again, back to the principle we discussed earlier, then letting go of the outcome, you know, if it happens, yeah. fantastic. And if it doesn't happen, you just do other things. Because yeah. I always, I do feel that, you know, some doors open and some doors don't open. And sometimes when doors don't open, either you knock a little bit harder or you just go, you know what, this wasn't my door. You know, some people always say, hey, you need to keep knocking on the door. I feel that sometimes it's just not your door because maybe there's a better door. There's a better the door. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that the more, and you probably, you're more of an expert on this with intuition and things like that. But when you start to recognize the feelings when things like that happen, it's like, you'll understand when it is time to knock harder or when it's actually time to look for a new door. And it's, it's being able to, like I was saying before with recognizing where your resistance is and stuff like understanding energetically how it feels when you know, it's just your ego pushing or your stubbornness or whether it's actually your soul going, no, no, they, they just like, we just want to make sure you're going to work for it. Or the person on the other side just wants to know that you're serious. Yes. Give it another go yeah. or whether you're just being stubborn, but it, 
have you got any advice on on say the intuition side of things well i i do a very bright light yeah and let me quickly check because i think my the sun has just gone down but i think there's a i'm gonna turn on this (laughs) we're we're both we've both got lighting i'm like oh mine's so bright it's gone down this is better The sun has gone down and I had like this sun giant has light. Gone down and, yeah, and now you can see me again. Whoa, look Yay, at there we go. <laughs> so, well, you know, uh, I'm, I don't call myself an expert on intuition, but I, I definitely listen to my intuition and I'm guided by my intuition super duper heavily. And this is, it's one of the principles in the book. When I first moved to Sydney 14 years ago from Switzerland or 15 years ago, actually now from Switzerland, I didn't really know much about intuition because intuition wasn't really a thing we talked about growing up. And I think Swiss people in general, we are very logical and rational. And, and I also grew up a little bit like that. So I grew up with a brother who would make lists of, you know, like, should I go to Thailand or to Vietnam on a holiday? And he would have Thailand, Vietnam. I, I once walked into his room and we were, I don't know, young teenagers and he had this list i'm like what are you doing he's like well i'm just considering if i should go if i got went on a holiday would would i want to go to thailand or vietnam and he had this list of pros and cons i'm like wow why don't you just pick one he's like well because <laughs> i need to evaluate i'm like whoa okay because so that that's so for me intuition was a sort of a foreign thing but it was so fascinating because now looking back i think i've always been very intuitive because i would just pick one i would, it would never cross yeah. my mind as a kid to make lists of things it's like no I just do I just do this yeah make I, the pros and cons list <laughs> yeah don't make the pros and cons list. but of course sometimes it's useful to do that and for some people it is useful to do that and so intuition is something that I have then learned to understand more and to trust entirely so for the last maybe decade or so I've really just gone with intuition in terms of decision making and do I say yes to something or no to something what do I feel does it feel good does it not feel good and sometimes also in business sometimes some of my craziest decisions and boldest decisions have been a little bit irrational and maybe seen as irrational by team members they've often turned out to be the best decisions so tell me how do you how do you cultivate that and how do you put that into play in business so I think how you cultivated that talk in the book about a few different ways of, of tapping a little bit more into your inner guidance, because what intuition is, all it is, is that we have a subconscious mind that is processing information and then from the past. So things that we have experienced, our knowledge and subconscious mind is very rapidly processing information more rapidly than our conscious mind. And it then sends us some signals to give us hints of whether we should do something or not, or yes or no, or which way we should go. And it's fast. Intuition is so fast because it's based on our subconscious mind. And so different ways to access our subconscious are, for example, to immerse ourselves in nature, you know, if we, if we can. I know some people right now are maybe stuck inside a little bit because of this pandemic, but for people that can, immersing ourselves into nature. Meditation is another great way to to tap into the unconscious mind and intuition another way is to just have a little bit of solitude so if it's possible have a little bit of alone time with yourself and get to know how you feel and how you feel in certain situations and then so that's how you can practice it and then just practice taking really making really fast decisions so when you're hit with something and you can do it on small decisions that won't have 
a big risk factor. Like, where am I going for dinner? Here or here? Just pick one. The first thing that comes up. And you can even do it, you know, with elevators sometimes. It is, you know, I don't know that there's any true in it, but you can look at when you're standing in front of a wall of elevators, you can say, this, my intuition is saying this elevator is going to come first. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it sounds a bit like magic and often it doesn't really work, but it's, it's a way to practice just what are you feeling? What are you thinking? And, and making super duper fast decisions. And then in business, once you really trust yourself and your intuition in business, you just make decisions based on that. What are you feeling? Not always rationally, but how mm. does it feel like? Does this feel like the right thing to do or not? Yeah. And I think um, to, to hone that skill in is to recognize, you know, when you've said, oh, I, my, my gut said not to do that, or I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. What was the feeling that you had and when you when you made the decision and it didn't turn out like there was something that it's usually a physiological thing that happens and either you push through for ego or your logic brain tries to kick in or whatever or, or the programming of other people or you hear a voice and you didn't trust your gut and it's getting getting in tune with going okay wh what was my gut saying then why did i end up choosing this and what was that sensation so that when it happens again i go the other way yeah yeah and it really is it's just about observing yourself mm. and observing how you feel and and you know where you feel something in the body maybe you know that's why sometimes people get chicken skin or you know you guys yep. call it goosebumps yeah what do you get yeah the, i call them gooseys oh i got the gooseys yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah goosebumps or maybe you feel cold or you know i sometimes feel and i don't always know that that is true or not but i i've had moments where I would paddle out in the surf. I had one a few weeks ago, paddle out in the surf in front of my place on my own. There was no one around and it wasn't, it wasn't scary or anything, but I paddled out. I'm already scared. No, no, no. And I was sitting there and waiting for a wave and I felt weird. Something felt weird. I just didn't feel good. Like I'm like, just something feels weird here. And, and my heart started going faster and I'm like, I need to get out of here. And I just left. I don't know if there was, you know, I, I don't know if there was anything or not, but I just felt yeah. like it doesn't feel right right now. No. And I'm here on my and own. And you don't want to stick around to find out. No, I don't want to stick around to find out and not on my own when nobody can yeah. me. So, so then I just went in and maybe there was nothing, but it, at least, you know, I, I, I felt something in my physical, how my body was reacting to something. Mm -hmm. So then I just, it's just about listening to, to your body and your reactions and then trusting that and, it doesn't mean that maybe it's always accurate, but most of the time it probably is. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I think that's um, if everyone can just be mindful for a week and just like, like lean into the, the thought of taking notice and just doing a reflection at the end of the day. Like when I did that, how did I feel? What was the sensation? What if I made a different choice? Then you can just, and, and vision, um, from Mind Valley has some great stories um, about it, especially when he was learning about Silver Ultramind um, and being able to use intuition to do sales and pick pick the names and numbers and um, who to speak to and when to speak to them and trusting that that gut instinct. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's as I say, like I was a sales recruiter for thirteen years and I used to make a hundred cold calls a day and get told to fuck off like ninety nine times when I first started out of a hundred to then I, I, I didn't even know what it was back then. But when I look back and they're like, oh, 
can't you teach other people how to do it? I'm like, well, you just know. And they're like, what, what do you mean? You just know? It's like, you just, changed? you just know. Um, when I first started, I was just going through the motions and doing what I was told, get a hundred numbers from the yellow pages and call them. Like this is way back. Like we shared a Regis office with Google. Google didn't even have their own fucking offices then. Like I used to lay on the floor with the yellow pages and write the numbers out. And like, that's what I'd been told to do. So that's what I, that's what I did. And then call from, from A to Z. Um, what were you and selling? Humans. What, what were you selling? <laughs> humans. Like what? What do you mean? Recruitment. So I used to do oh, sales. Yeah. Okay, so we used okay. I, um, sales people. Yes. So, and we okay. used to reverse and we used to reverse market them. So we'd yeah. literally call a company and ask them yeah. if they needed a salesperson. So yeah, 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 yeah. My, yeah, ba- my bad joke was, yeah. yeah, my bad joke at a, at any party was, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a human trafficker. They're like, what do yeah. you mean? I'm like, well, pretty much I sell humans, but don't worry. They always want to be sold. <laughs> So, so the, I'm really curious about that because, yeah, the, recru- the whole recruitment industry, uh, they're still doing this. This is like, they're still in the old ages of doing this. So tell me what changed for you, how you went from, you know, calling 100 people, 99 said F of, to then, I guess, better stats. Yeah. Um, it was, well, there was a lot of stuff about understanding the, the industries and the person and um, going a lot deeper into the human side of things. And so I used to just challenge a lot of, I used to question everything. So they'd say they need to have a degree, like the, the, the company would say they need to have a degree in this, or they need to have experience in that. And I'd just be constantly pushing and hope, helping them to see different dots and think outside the square. Like, okay, why do they have to do a degree? Like, what are they, why is that important? And like, you don't even care what degree it is. So tell me why it's important. Oh, 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 well, because it shows they're intelligent. I'm like, does it? <laughs> and then I'd rattle off a hundred examples of people mm. that didn't have a degree. Or uh, it shows that they had discipline. Okay, well, what if I gave you someone that was a professional athlete straight out of school and like, doesn't that demonstrate more discipline? And just being able to get people to think outside the square and find out what the real, what it, what the real thing was, like the, the why behind the why behind the why. Um and being able to show how there was transferable skills or how you could grow your business by tapping into another market. Or you say you want this product knowledge, but you really want to open up these clients. What if I could get you someone that already has the relationships, the product's pretty easy to learn. Like how long is it going to take you to upskill someone on the product versus find someone and, and helping them to see the dog, just constantly challenging. But when it came to calling companies, again, it was really doing the research to know, which ones would be open and, and how, how the value could be added and not calling the traditional people, but then also going with the gut of who I should call first. It's kind of like, that was the science that I couldn't bottle. It was like, they're like, why'd you call that one? I was like, I don't know. I just felt like inside there was something that said to me that they're the match mm. and to go with them first. That's so cool. And when interviewing Spidey senses, so when the spidey senses started tingling, especially with salespeople, because they can talk so much shit, right? But there's that. <laughs> yeah, that, tell me about it. It's the same with dating. When the, you get the spidey senses, you're like, something's, something's, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something not right here. And being able to l- listen to the spidey senses and trust that um, became 
a real benefit for me because then I just didn't waste time. That's cool. That's intuition. That that's the intuition for sure. Um, can I switch gears? Yeah. And we have maybe, can we do maybe another 10, 15 minutes? Cause we're going to watch a movie with the team after. Of course. So tell me basic bananas. What are you doing with it? And what are the, what are some of the key marketing things that you're like, cause, cause you're helping entrepreneurs to market better. You're giving them better ideas. So give me, give me a rundown of what you're doing with it right now and how the entrepreneurs and business owners can do things different. Yeah. So a few questions there. So the mission is still the same. So we started this business 11 years ago with the mission to help small business owners to understand marketing better so that they, they can grow their businesses. And we do that through marketing mentoring. And we started first in Sydney and we started with first Sydney companies and we started first with one-on-one mentoring. I came from advertising and then we started doing more group mentorings to make it more affordable and still face-to-face. And then we went into different cities, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, every major city in Australia. We went to Canada with a partner. We went to the US with a partner, went to Switzerland with a partner, now Sweden. And since the pandemic, so the whole model was very much face-to-face. It's very, you know, people feel supported by a business community. We have hundreds of members that are coming through the programs. And our main program is 12 months. It's called the Clever Bunch. And the Clever Bunch used to be before the pandemic face-to-face. So every month, people would come into a location wherever we were running the sessions to work on their business for half a day. And then they would go away and implement the strategy that they have learned and then work on it for a month. And, you know, we, we review it, give them personalized feedback, then come back again after a month and learn different strategies. And the whole purpose is always to build a marketing machine using different elements available to small businesses. And so what we're doing now to answer that question, when the pandemic hit and we couldn't do any face-to-face training anymore, we put everything virtual. So all the training now is virtual for the moment. We are not doing any face-to-face. Uh, every now and then I do some private training for within companies, but then that's face-to-face in Sydney often because that's where I'm based. But that's not really what we, what we generally do. We now run the group training sessions, the Clever Bunch virtually like this in, on Zoom with small groups. And the change has been great because it's a half day session every month where we get in, we work, we walk through the strategies, we help each other out and we go. And because people don't have to drive anymore now, it, you know, it saves them time to drive to the venue. And also I feel that it's making the session super duper focused because there are no side conversations between people. It's like in it's work with the Zoom breakout rooms. They're really handy. Have you used them? They're so good. Yeah. Super yeah. handy. Super handy to, to train and to get people to brainstorm and implement the learnings too. So that's what we're doing now. And then I think you also asked me what's working for businesses in terms of marketing. Yeah. So so um, what have you? What's the key advice that you're giving at the moment? So what's the most current? What's the most actionable tips that you could give to small business owners right now when it comes to their marketing? Yeah, there are sort of two things. One is right now no three let's start two three so one is if possible do spend 
time and money on marketing. If you're in an industry that you can't possibly grow, because in most industries right now, your competitors are not doing anything in terms of spending because they're scared, they're holding back the money, which you do want to also hold back money, but you do want to spend money on marketing if you can, because it's the time if you can now to scale, even if your industry is down 50%, it doesn't mean that you have to be down 50% if you are smart with your marketing. So do spend time and money on marketing, but make sure you reduce your costs everywhere else. Make sure you're super yeah. duper lean. You don't waste money because you do want to be cashed up right now too. You don't, you don't know what's coming. So it's better to be cashed up. And the second thing is do super targeted campaigns only. So right now, again, because we need to get a high return on every dollar spent, we need to make sure that we don't do any general campaigns. So do campaigns that are very targeted towards a specific audience. So the business needs to think about who are my best audiences right now and go after those best audiences. So a really good time right now is to review. Look yeah. at your customers and go, which ones are my best types of customers? And then do campaigns, marketing campaigns, where you put a bit of money and time behind it to target exactly those kinds of people. Mm. That reminds me of uh, Seth Godin's principles of minimum viable audience. Yeah, so yeah. Really yeah, niching. Oh, nice. haven't you? It's from his um, latest book, This Is Marketing. I listened to a really cool yeah. podcast with him and Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. And it just re-anchored in, like getting super, like the, you know, the uh, hundred loyal fans, uh, sorry, the thousand loyal fans and really niching down, getting the people to nod their head, getting getting that that marketing dialed in to those specifics. Yeah, that makes super sense. Yeah, that's exactly that. And then the third one is what, we ha what we're noticing right now with our business owners, with the members of our community is video is working super well across most industries. And even if it's just video to create goodwill or to cre create relationships or to grow your audience, it's working really well because more people are watching stuff on YouTube now than before mm. this pandemic because they're working from home, maybe they have more time. And so video, the video format like we are using right now, also doing Facebook lives like we are, and also Instagram lives are, we could actually have gone live on Instagram too. I just remember. <sighs> yeah, we should have next, next time. time. Yeah. <laughs> we can also um, upload this on Instagram. So yeah, so video right now is the one format that seems to be working really well for everyone. And also just when, when they do video, it just be real, you know, it's not necessary to have a, beer, a whole show. <laughs> well, not encouraging drinking, of course, but, but just be real. You know, it doesn't have to be super perfect or polished or anything. Just people want to see the humanity. You know, it's okay to make mistakes and, and they're looking through the window now. They're wanting me to go and have a party. I think getting impatient can feel the impatience. You're like, yeah, <laughs> burning holes in your back. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just, just, being super duper real down to earth and, and share from the heart. You know, I've also had a lot of our members that have gone through very challenging times and sometimes just sharing that message and just say, not in a desperate way, but just saying, look, this is a really tough time for our industry. So if you can, if you can work with us right now, we do need you to spend yeah. money. And yeah. it's sometimes just that simple message of being super honest. Honest, and, the vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And encouraging people to support small businesses. This yeah. is something that I have been doing 
over and over again. And that message, I think, is really hopefully people are hearing it because I feel like we need to now spend our money with small business if we can. You know, yeah. the other day I was, um, I was quite in, impressed in a bad way, sort of sur almost a bit surprised, but maybe not surprised. But my partner works at, the, at WeWork. He's got an office there. And he sent me a message saying, hey, today's breakfast is on WeWork. And the picture was of a McDonald's burger. And I said, oh, wow, they're really supporting small business. How cool is that? Like, obviously being sarcastic. And it's just, you, you would think, but maybe not, I don't know, we work too much, but you would think that they, especially, but they have to right now. Especially with who their business model is. As well, exactly, like. and they're, they're already on very thin ice. And, and they mm. provide spaces for small business. Their whole ESOS, ESOS assault was, you know, to support small. But then they go and buy... First of all, really, you know, bad food that is bad for people oh. and also a huge chain. So it's, it's a little bit, um, you know, for, for people are paying attention to these things. I'm paying attention. So I think if yeah. we as small business owners can support other small business owners and collaborate more, that's also really powerful right now. A hundred percent. That's something that like the reason why I bought my no talks board was because they are made it. Like the, the blank does come and the technology originally comes from France, but the board is made by uh, locals in the Sunshine Coast. It, obviously, oh, everything about cool. being eco and everything as well. I'd met the girl yeah. through a surfing group and I wanted to like, I am podcasting Neve from Firewire as well. And they, they do have a factory here, but that's still got that more global brand. And I wanted to give back. So I was really kind of choosy. And when I'm buying even my... Um, my organic skincare, I go with Mukti, which is Australian made and because it's, it's glass. Like if we can just make these conscious decisions and I'm now starting to think about like shipping, where, where can I not get shipping? How can I go and pick it up? What's the, what's the little things that we can do and how can we support the local businesses? Like just small things. Like when you get a coffee, if you don't need a, like a take a keep cup always, but if you don't, and if in Corona, you're not allowed to use your keep cup, do you really need a lid? And you may not think it's a big deal, but not having a lid not only saves a couple of cents for the business owner, and but all of the shipping and logistics and the storage and the energy that goes behind getting the product there, but then also the landfill, because even if it is compostable, I don't see no compost fucking bins out on the street. Like all these little decisions that we can make if we're just that little bit more conscious in our buying has a huge knock-on effect. Yeah, totally. And we don't have to be good at, you know, everything, but because it, it can be overwhelming. I mean, I find it overwhelming too. And I still have buy plastic stuff in plastic containers, but I think if we can just be, and I try not to, but I, I sometimes do because it's the available option. <laughs> so if, if we can just be a little bit better, I think it's really awesome. By the way, on this no talks brand, I didn't know about them. Maybe hook me up because I might be able to help them distribute also through ocean lovers. It sounds probably like could be a good match for them. Yes, yes, I'll introduce you. I, uh, yeah. I did a big rave about it on last episode, but 100%, the whole idea, it's not only that it's more eco for the environment, but it's way better for the shaper uh, and the glasser because of the bioresin and the less toxic um, chemicals that they're breathing in while they're manufacturing the boards. The flax makes it way more flexible and stronger, so they're less likely to snap. There's just so many cool thing so i'll hook you up with the no talks yeah, australia yeah, guys i'm super interested yeah for cool. sure um i'm conscious that we need to get you back to your party um if you were just i just want to ask one more question on the video side of things so 
do you feel like people have to be putting the um, subtitles or having the captions over video or should they just get the videos up? Well, they do say captions would be good, but we don't always do it on all of, all of our videos. We do it on the ones we use for ads. You know, if we, if we distribute the ads a little bit to a wider audience, we put the subtitles on there. It, it is better if you do, but we don't do it on all of our videos. If it's just content videos to help people with a tip, we don't do it. But generally, yes, if you're distributing it to a wider audience and you're distributing it, especially also on Facebook, where people often scroll through the feed without the volume on, mm -hmm. definitely useful. Do you have a recommendation or a, a tool of where people can get the captions done or how uh, it's my, easy to do that? Well, my team does all this work, but I'm pretty sure what they do is they go to rev.com, rev.com -E yeah. -E to get a transcript. Yeah. And then they take this transcript and upload it into the video using a software. Probably some of them might be using iMovie or Camtasia or, or any video editor. I'm pretty sure you can upload it on there. I'm, I don't actually do this stuff, but I'm pretty sure that's the process that they're using. Beautiful. And can you just give the, you, the listeners just one more tip? If they were sitting down right now to go, okay, where am I going to spend the, the time and the money? For this marketing what are the couple of elements they want to consider before either hiring an agency or investing what what sort of framework should they go through to make the decision on where to spend the time and money you know what i would do actually i would just re rewind a little bit and and look at what you have done over the last maybe six months or 12 months even because things have changed and look at the marketing that you have already done and then just review it and look at what has worked really well and what hasn't worked and then ditch the stuff that hasn't worked and pick up the stuff that has worked and amplify that. But you only start amplifying that as in put money behind it once you really understand who you want to attract. So I would start with do a little bit of a review, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what kind of people have you attracted in the past. You can look at the analytics on Google and Facebook, any channel that you use, look at the analytics and review your audience and then look at who you want to have more of and then publish some of the content that has worked in the past and do more of the stuff that has worked. And then always, if you do use money, always test different angles. So you might pick an angle that has worked really well in the past, and then you might have another idea and then test those two against each other and see what's working and keep, don't get complacent with marketing, just keep reiterating what's working and, mm -hmm. and making it a little bit better and a little bit better. And you don't have to, you know, people don't have that much time in their days. So maybe just review it once a week and do something a little bit better once a week. And lastly, something that is working really well for our members here, businesses, is to just block out time. Like you block out time for fun, block out time for marketing. If you want to grow your business, block out time for marketing. And that can be maybe have an hour a day where you call, you call the marketing power hour or you might have two hours on Friday, or you might do over a beer at sunset on a Sunday. Just have a, a, at least one, two hours a week where you focus on marketing activities. Amazing. Great advice. So tell us, where's the best place for guys to connect with you, follow your story, or get more of your juicy goodness? <laughs> so you can find me on the social, most social channels under my name. 
which is very difficult to spell, Francisca, easily. F-R-A-N-Z, I-S-K-A, easily, I-S-E-L-I. -E and also, same website, you can find all the projects I'm involved in. For if you run a business, I suggest you go to basicbananas.com. And on the homepage there, we have uh, two things that are actually, at the moment, free for people. They're virtual trainings, live trainings. One is a Blastoff workshop which you can see on the homepage. And the other one, it's not on the homepage, actually. The other one is a PJ party edition, which we started in March when the pandemic first hit. A lot of businesses started freaking out, panicking, and we're like, okay, what can we do? Well, we're really good at marketing mentoring. We need to bring it in a playful way because every, everyone is so serious and, you know, we need a little bit of sparkle. So we started the PJ party edition, which we have continued running every single week. We run a 45 minute to an hour session for free, usually Monday or Tuesday, where we share different topics on business growth strategies. And the link for that is basicbalance.com forward slash PJ. So those are the awesome. few resources I recommend. Amazing. We'll make sure those links are in the show notes that, so that if anyone wants to go through and get some of that really good free marketing advice, they can access it. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for sharing a sunset uh, beverage with me and <laughs> all of your energy. I think this one's been absolutely packed full of gold. So I will uh, let you go to your team and get your movie night on. Is there any other parting words that you'd like to leave the tribe with tonight? Just for you, first of all, my, my pleasure. And thank you also for everything that you're doing. I think, you know, the work that you're putting out there and the effort that you're putting in is so impactful for people and people that get, you know, if they, I would say if they do one thing that they heard from this episode, for example, or from any episode, we know that we, are, we did a good job. And the last final parting words, I would say, and this is a quote that I'm paraphrasing. I, I think Michael Jordan said something along the lines of, you will only miss the shots you didn't take. Paraphrasing this, but you will only miss the shots that you didn't take. So yeah. when it comes to life and taking action and doing stuff, just do it and then fail and embrace failure and be okay with it and do it again because you're be only... from it. Yeah, exactly. Because you will only miss the shots you didn't take. So just yeah. take the shots. If it feels it. good, listening to your intuition. Yeah, if it feels good in here. Yeah, amazing. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. Guys, everything will be in the show notes. And as always, Barrel Chasing Business Owners, if you feel like you've got any value from this episode, one little piece of gem, or you know another business owner that needs to hear it, please click the share button and let's, let's be the ripple effect. Let's, let's get the positivity out there and let's help each other grow our businesses. Till next time. Hey there, Barrel Chasing Business Owners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. What would be amazing and allow us to reach as many business owners just like you would be if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you feel like you got any entertainment or any value out of today, if you could pop on over, that would mean the world to us. See you on the next show.